Hey, I'm Angie. And I'm Emily. Being a creative person in the corporate space can be really tough, and we should know. Join us to talk about how to be a right brain in a left-brained world. It's The Artist at Work. So wait, what was I saying? I had kind of a good point. You were saying you didn't identify with the word artist. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but you did. So when I was reading, when I started reading The Artist's Way, it was very uncomfortable. And I sort of, I think that that book sat on my shelf for as long as I did. And I sort of dismissed it because I thought I'm not an artist, which is a huge message point in the book. Um, <laughs> and I guess, you know, we're all creators and artists in our own way. Um, but that's a word that you said that you've always identified with. I mean, it's legitimately the word when you're asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? As a little kid, I would say artist. And that's probably because that's what was in the coloring books and what we saw in our in our movies in the 90s. And there weren't many other words for categories under artist. So yeah, I've always identified with artist and um, I still do. Yeah. And you, I mean, you are one, you have become one. Um, so are you. I even, I know that's the thing that I can't kind of get past. Um, because again, I thought that I'd be, you know, walking around with, with a beret and a paintbrush, like the artist emoji or whatever. Um, <laughs> or certainly, you know what, actually the real word that got me, and I've said this before here, um, is writer, because that was what I grew up saying that I wanted to do, was sure. be a writer. Um, and when I hadn't published my first novel by the age of 25, I felt as though I had failed um, and was not a writer, but I, that's if I had to explain in one word what I do, that's what it is. Exactly. Um, and the discipline of writing itself as the discipline of art is so much more than just putting pen to paper. You're editing, you're, you're now in business parlance, content creation. Um, you know, you're doing a lot of these things that, that, in, that are what a writer does. You just happen to not be doing it for yourself and walking around again with a goddamn quill pen in your hand all the time. <laughs> um, but right. I, I, but that's, I think that that is a very false way of looking at this. And I think it's a really like kind of, I don't want to say upsetting um, way of thinking, but I certainly, it took me a long time to feel proud enough or comfortable enough to say I am a writer. Um, because I think that, you know, when you do something for somebody else, you end up saying, well, I work in marketing or, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a, a marketing manager or a, any of these corporate terms. But the fact is you are a writer, you are an artist, you're a creator. Totally. Totally. And I, in what's interesting when you say it that way is when someone asks you what you do, they don't actually want to know that you're a senior marketing manager. No. They want to know what you do, mm -hmm. right? Like what is your job? But I also want to talk about today. I think that like, because we didn't see ourselves as artists for so long, um, being also weirdly ashamed of like not, I'm using huge air quotes here, but not being able to cut it as an artist. And I want to talk a little bit to you and to the listeners at home um, about there being absolutely zero shame in staying with a corporate gig. You can be a wildly successful creative in a very traditional work environment. And that is real. That is legitimate. Um, not everybody is trying to get out to pursue their, their side gig or their creative passions. Um, and there is no, there's no failure and there are no missteps in remaining in a comfortable corporate environment where you can still have very valuable creative 
contributions, exercises, and partners. And I would honestly say for me, that was the goal. That was the goal was creative director, work on cool projects with cool clients or on a cool brand. And that's, that was the top for me. That's what I thought. That was my goal for coming out of college. And you know what? Um, that's awesome. And when you reach a goal, the funny thing about reaching goals is when you get there, it doesn't, it's not, you're not the same person who made the goal. So I got there and I was, it wasn't fulfilling anymore, which is just such a strange thing. Um, but 100% staying in a job and working in an agency or for a brand or on an internal creative team, those are cool gigs. And I think if you have one of those that you love, cherish it. You know, artists, as we all are in the sense of the word, um, who don't work within like very traditional artist functions at companies, right? You can be a developer and still be an artist and still be a creative. You can work in HR. You can, there are so many different paths to take with um, sort of like this sort of fundamental skill level um, that being able to explore those opportunities, I think is awesome too. And it's really cool to have health insurance. And, you know, again, one of the things I will refer to many times is what a horrible freelancer I was in part because I hated chasing business. It was really tricky for me to sell myself. Um, and I just, I had no, no interest in it. So, and I understand that many, many freelancers have established very successful careers. And at this point are having to turn work away from people who are coming to them. That was never going to be me. Um, so if I can go to a place where they're going to tell me what to work on and I get health insurance, then that's not, that's not a bad gig. Yes. There's, there's so many perks that come along with a full-time gig paid time off unlimited. If you're extra lucky, um, yeah, health insurance. Let me tell you, it's really expensive on your own um, and not nearly as good. Um, and I mean, the paid holidays, going on vacation and not having to worry about spending money because you're not making money. Um, there's just countless things that the stability alone is why a lot of people stay, a lot of, a lot of why it's great to stay. And if you're comfortable in a role or you feel like this is a really good place for you or in your season of life, then it's wonderful. It's a great reason to be in those, those environments and those businesses. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point too, um, I was looking at my time hop this morning and seven years ago, right now, do you know what we were doing? Uh, no. Eating lobster rolls. Really? In yes, Boston? We sure were. Um, and that is an experience, you know, we would go to these conferences and events and cool things. And those are things that I wouldn't have chosen to do or done of on my own. Had I been a freelancer, I'm certain that I wouldn't have had the sort of wherewithal or get up and go or whatever you want to call it to actively seek out these, these conferences and these events on my own. But we have had some killer trips over the years that were funded by corporate bank accounts. That's and that's cool. Um, so certainly, you know, it's one of those things where you gotta, you gotta kind of work the system a little bit, um, and staying at these things, you know, I would never shell out whatever a South by Southwest badge costs to go on my own. 
Um, but we were sent to that conference for many years in a row. And it was, you know, those, those sort of corporate perks filled my tank for a very long time after they had actually taken place. Um, and I think that those huge, you know, wells of inspiration were built from stuff that wasn't even that consequential a lot of the time, you know, it was yeah. a, a half a day meeting somewhere um, that was different and a change of scenery, or it was, you know, the bigger opportunities like going to those, you know, the regional conferences, the big ones. Um, there was a lot of cool stuff there that I would not have been able to find, to find by myself. Well, and props to our leadership, right? They knew that kind of stuff would sustain us, right? They knew we'd get different cool ideas or bring back a book or an idea and turn that into something else or just keep us happy, engaged employees. So that's part of it too. Like, um, you know, be really like vocal with your leadership team or your manager. If you want to do something, put a case like build a case for yourself, say what you're going to learn and really advocate for yourself so you can get those experiences um, and really, you know, fill up that cup of creativity. A million percent. Just ask for somebody else to pay for it. It's yeah. so cool. Um, the worst and- they're going to do is say no. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And that took me a really long time to learn too, kind of in life. Um, and once I kind of unlocked that, the kind of shit I've gotten away with, one, two, gotten, sometimes for free, um, just by asking for it is really kind of blown my mind. I've probably really, really gotten into that. Definitely, maybe like when I turned 30, um, I just went for it, just started asking for whatever I wanted. And it's kind of mind blowing. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh-huh. So certainly if you're at an organization that has even a, a whisper of the resources to be able to send you to something cool. And you know what, right now, maybe it's just a cool Zoom thing instead of staring at your coworkers weird cat poster in their bedroom or something. But yeah, ask um, because you don't know. And and you won't be presented with those opportunities because a lot of the times the people above you or who are making those decisions just don't know that they exist. And if you don't say anything, everyone just thinks that you're happy all the time. And that could be really, really not the case. Totally. What if you're ready for a pivot or what are our tips around finding something, um, finding a new, something new? I don't know that either of us are exceptional at that, but um, what can you do to set yourself up for a pivot? I think that what's really um, interesting in those situations, and this kind of goes back to your earlier point about ask for it, is that people, even if you're not talking about an investment of money or, you know, a conference badge or a plane ticket, people are really generous with their time. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you just want to go out on informational interviews because you think that it would be really cool to get into like the UX writing discipline, you could go on on LinkedIn and find somebody who would be willing to have a 15 minute email exchange with you in an hour. Um, People, A, of course, we all know, love talking about themselves. And really, I think generally people want to help because a lot of them, especially who have been doing this for a minute, remember what it's like to feel unsatisfied and 
uncreatively fulfilled or creatively unfulfilled, I suppose is the way to say that. <laughs> um, although being uncreatively fulfilled is a concept I'd like to explore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that people are really generous with their time um, and asking people for things in that way and sort of exploring and again, knocking on doors and being really curious and figuring out what the next thing is for you and whether or not it is or is not in the corporate space um, I think is a really powerful, you know, work those networks. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'll speak from experience here about three years ago when I was taking a freelance stint kind of between my, my full-time roles where I was kind of in and out of a few companies doing some maternity coverage, which didn't know was a thing guys, if you're looking for a three or four month, six month coverage, there are packages out there. That's total side note. So cool. um, it was so cool. So I got to go in and out of companies, but in that uh, kind of journey, I made a deal with myself that I would network at in-person network with at least one person a week. So that was not about nine months of meeting different people about every week. Um, and I would meet them for lunch, for coffee, before work, after work, for a drink, whatever, um, you know, I would work for them. Um, and I was just baffled by the generosity. The And it was people, um, of course, it, it was people I knew who maybe were in organizations that had roles, or it was referrals. Um, oh, I was talking with whoever, and I brought you up. They, you know, they'd love to meet you. Um, and then referrals on referrals. So I was, by the end there, I was kind of meeting with strangers all the time, and I got really comfortable Um asking questions, being really direct, being cautious of their time, you know. Um, but then also like being really clear um, on why I was there, right? I wanted to hear their advice and um, build connections more and more. And I think that got me really comfortable with sort of my elevator pitch, what I was looking for moving forward, because I talked it out with strangers, not just my pals. So um yeah, I just think that's really valuable. If you have a chance to um, flex your networking arm, I would I would go for that. I think that's a really good point, and I would just like to um, to add or to to make clear that I say a lot of cuss words, um, and networking at one time felt like one to me. Um, the concept <laughs> of it seemed really slimy. the The whole it just left a bad taste in my mouth. This very like old sort of like networking concept, but it, it don't think of it like that. Um, yeah. Do not think of it as cold calling. Do not think of it as like going to gross events and eating like, like weird cheese on toast or whatever. And like having a name tag on, it is so much more organic than that. I never wear, wear, want to wear a name tag for the I, rest of my life. Please. I know. But, but we've all been to those events where it's really marketed as like a networking event and it is just painful, but you know, the creative community is very generous and people are, you know, you don't have to go to one of these bullshit events and, you know, hug the wall as I would always do and wait for somebody to have a terrible conversation about work with me. You can just ping someone on LinkedIn or ask a friend of a friend to coffee or, you know, there are so many more natural ways of doing this that you are going to, I guarantee, get more out of than, thinking that you need to check a weird box and go to some bizarro like 
coffee thing at a hotel ballroom. Yeah. Or like speed networking, dating, whatever it was, where you go table to table. I mean, no, thank you. We have so many tools at our disposal that mean that we don't have to do those things anymore. And that's cool. Once I did get my next full-time gig, I said out loud to myself, I need to keep up these networking things. This is, this was really good for me. Like this is, I need to keep doing this. I think I did it for one more month and then it totally fell off. So I'm saying do as I say, not as I do. Um, But it was invaluable. It was such a good lesson. And um, I'm, when we can see people in person again, I'm going to bring that back. The creative community is super open. We want to help each other. We've all been there. And that's, you know, that's really a lot of the heart behind this conversation and this podcast is we've been there. We are there. We're in it. Um, And we want to kind of help you through it too. I think that too, um, and this is a a really big, broad um, message point for me sort of throughout my life, um, is that the the workplace in general doesn't bring a tremendous amount of actual empathy instead of performative empathy, and it doesn't recognize or welcome vulnerability. And Mm -hmm. I think that we all feel really nervous and really scared and really unsure at many different times in our careers, but we're really not encouraged to talk about it. Um, You're supposed to be seen as as strong and capable and brave and bold and, and have a real stiff upper lip. And I've never been any of those things or had any of those things. Um, But I also think that like my strength comes in my willingness to be vulnerable in these ways and to have really candid conversations about Mm -hmm. knowing that like this is hard. There is no class or no certification that you can get in just working. It's nobody teaches you how to do it. And then you just sort of get thrown in at one one day and it's, it's impossible to navigate. So understanding that like, and you know what? It's always hard. It continues to be hard. I've been working at offices for almost 20 years and I still don't, don't get it sometimes. Um, and saying that out loud, I think is the strongest and boldest thing I can do. And so I try to say it as much as I can. Yeah. I mean, I, my last role, um, I was super lucky to lead a creative team of designers, writers, um, and project managers. And I really try to lead with candor, transparency, empathy, understanding, um, and humor because, and really talk about things as they were, um, talk. I was first to raise my hand when I don't know something, I don't know the answer to something. Um, I am the first to say, um, I know this is hard. This is scary. I feel it too, because you know what? I've had some leaders who did it really well, and I've had some leaders who did it really poorly. And I, I was more comfortable and comforted in my workplace when I felt understood. And I think that's what it comes down to is feeling like you can be yourself, be authentic, understood, and you're not going to be judged for your personality. Yeah. And I think a lot of creatives are really gentle souls and so thrive in those environments, right? When there is a a very safe place to say, I don't get this, but I am willing to learn more. Um, so, you know, a sort of vulnerability paired with curiosity and a real desire to learn and to grow um, together, I think is just like really such a gift and a strength that a lot of creative people bring to the workplace. Um, I will do this. You will do this. Yep. Let's reach out to somebody in our networks or extended networks and say, hey, can I pick your brain about something? 
Or can I just talk to you for like five minutes? I have a question about work. I have a question about what you do. Um, I want to know more about this field. I'm really interested or just say, you know, you're doing a really good job. I'm, I am in awe of the way in which you are conducting business in very unusual times. Um, I think a homework assignment is a good idea. I think that's a great idea. Just to add to that. Um, you always want to make it easy for the person to say yes. So suggest, you know, three times, um, and then, you know, then they can just say yes to one of them, or they can say it doesn't work. Um, I have a link to a Calendly that I send sometimes. And it's like, here's my calendar. Pick a time that works. Then it's really turnkey for them. It's on their calendar. They don't have to think about it. You don't have to go back and forth. Um, I think that's really key, especially if you're talking to busy people. Absolutely. And we're all busy and we're all distracted. So, you know, nobody wants to make any of these exercises burdensome. They should be fun. They should be joyful. They should be collaborative. They should be connective. Um, and they should be interesting. So I'm excited to hear about who you talked to for your homework. Yeah. Let us know. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We'll see you again, gang. Thanks for listening to The Artist at Work. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Instagram and Twitter under the handle at artist at work pod. And our website is the artist at work.com. We'll see you next time.